This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Now, just a few more weeks left before Christmas, and I hope you're not going crazy trying to make sure the presents you're buying are just the right ones to lay under the tree. So we try to infuse more of the holiday feeling with the show that we start out with tonight. Marshal Matt Dillon got a great story about Christmas in Dodge. And it starts out when Matt Dillon finds himself miles from Dodge after his horse breaks a leg. So he's faced with walking 40 miles, carrying his saddle all the way. This show, by the way, first aired in 1952, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Gunsmoke and The Christmas Story. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Everything was all right until about a mile north of the Cimarron. That's when my horse got a hoof caught in a frozen dog hole and broke his leg. So I had to shoot him. It made me feel awful bad. I didn't feel any better thinking about the walk ahead of me. Close to 40 miles to dodge and carry in my saddle all the way. Guess I'd been on the trail about an hour, near as I could figure it was around three in the afternoon. And I'd ease the saddle off my shoulders for a rest and a smoke. And that's when I saw the stranger riding up from the way I'd come. He was tall and thin. And his horse was taller and even thinner. And they made quite a pair. Hi. How are you? You lost? No. My horse busted his leg away back. I'm on my way to Dodge. Well, it's your horse, huh? I saw it. Yeah. On your way to Dodge, huh? Yeah, that's right. Uh, you got any more of that tobacco? Yeah, sure. Here you are. Thanks. Uh, thanks a lot. That's okay. 
a big walk you've got ahead, ain't it? <laughs> kind of. It's going to be dark soon. You figure making camp? Ah, that's the idea. Uh-huh. Well, it's too bad. Yeah. Do you need any food? No, 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 thanks. I, I got none. Uh-huh. Well, I thank you for the tobacco. Sure. Anytime. Hey. Yeah? That's saying this beast won't drop dead from the shock, but do you want to climb on behind? Save you a piece of boot leather for a while, anyway. Why, well, I'd be much obliged if you think that animal of yours can carry us. Well, she won't mind. Should have been dead a long time ago, except she don't know it. She don't mind. Well, okay, thanks. Uh, here, will you hold my saddle till I get up, huh? Yeah, give it to you. Yeah. Uh, can you manage the saddle? Yeah, give it. Yeah, I got it. Now, let's go. You heading for Dodge, too? Not in particular. Just north. Uh-huh. This beast will do about ten knots with the wind behind her, but we ain't going to get more than five with this load. You ain't in no hurry, I am. Well, I, I was kind of hoping to get back tonight. It's uh, Christmas Eve, you know. Oh, yeah, that's right, isn't it? Yeah. That backbone of her sticking it in? Oh, no, it's okay. Thanks. Notice that tin doojigger tied to you. You the law? Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a U.S. Marshal. Uh, my name's Matt Dillon. That's so. Uh, never seen a Marshal on foot. <laughs> well, it happens sometimes. How is it you're down this way? You need to mite off your course? Hmm? So you marshal down here as well as Dodge? No, no, I, I just took a prisoner across the Cimarron into Oklahoma Territory. Turned him over to the Army there. Did, And then he shot up tight. We must have ridden a couple of miles without a word. I got to thinking about Dodge and Chester and Doc and Kitty and the rest of them. You know, there's something pretty special about any place at Christmas time. <laughs> the backbone on the stranger's nag was just about to split me in two when he talked up. My name is Cowley. Alice huh? Cowley. Yeah, uh, better heave to a spell. She's breathing mighty hard. All right, hold up. Yes. Yeah, it's getting a little chilly, isn't it? Yeah. Um, could I trouble you for another smoke? Oh, sure, sure. Here you are. I thank you. Say, hmm? what's it like in Dodge? What? Dodge. Well, what's it like? <laughs> oh, it's like any other town, I guess. Pretty big, huh? Well, yeah, I guess so. Not so big as New York. Oh, oh no, 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 not as big as that. You know, I haven't been in a big town now for more than ten years. Oh, is that so? No. Been down the territories, drifting. Thought I'd move up north this time, maybe go back east. So you're from the east, huh? 
some time back. Say, what's it like? What? Well, Dodge, any town. Uh, at Christmas. Same as it used to be. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, what do you do? Well, same as most people, I guess. What most people do at Christmas. Well, that ain't saying a lot. What are the folks like? And what does it look like? I, I just, I just kind of like to know. Well, I, I don't know. Uh, well, there's Front Street. Uh, that's most of Dodge right now. Of course, it's getting bigger. All do you have any kids? No, no, I, I'm not married. Yeah. Kids have fun Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, they do. That, that's certain. And Dodge, they sometimes have a party for the kids. A couple of days before Christmas. Uh, kids like that. And then everybody gets feeling good, looking forward to Christmas Eve. Like last year. There was snow on the ground. But the sky was clear. You, you could even see the stars. I was going down the street to the Texas Trail to meet Doc and Chester. Uh, Chester, he's my deputy. Doc's a doctor in town. We had some work to do later on in the evening. You could uh, see the light shining behind the curtained windows. and Almost everybody had a sprig of holly berries hanging up. They got some from the east a couple of days earlier. I remember running into John Bumby. He's a kind of general handyman in Dodge. Never says much, but... <laughs> he sure had a lot to say that night. Oh, hello, Marshal. Oh, hi, John. <clears throat> lovely night for a Christmas Eve, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is, John. Yeah. Pretty fine night. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. <laughs> Mr. Dillon? Yeah, that's the way it should be, John. Um, you know, Marshal, this is going to be quite a night for me. Yes, sir. Oh, is that oh, so? Oh, yes, sir. Tonight, I'm asking Mrs. McNish to become Mrs. Bumby. What? Mm-hmm. What, well, John, I didn't know that. Oh, I know it's been a mighty fast secret, but I, I'm popping the question tonight. Well, I wish you a lot of luck, John. Hey, I'll, I'll tell you what. Come by to the Texas Trail later, and, and we'll have a drink on it. Oh, I will. I really will, Marshal. <laughs> You're good and kind, Marshal. Good and kind. Merry Christmas, Marshal Dillon. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Oh, the same to you, John. That may sound kind of funny to you, but John Bumby's a good man. A little peculiar sometimes, but good as they come. And they don't make enough like him. Of course, most everybody in Dodge suspected Doc and Ms. McNish were sweet on each other. But it just goes to show you. Uh, I'll tell you about John and Ms. McNish a little later. So I went on down the street. You know, it's a funny thing about those words, Merry Christmas. Men say it to each other, and, well, it makes them feel kind of good. Yeah, I know what you mean. Used to be a seafaring man myself. When you're on the sea and it comes Christmas, things like that can, they can count a lot. Yeah. And we might as well get underway again, huh? Sure. You want to take the saddle? Give it here. Okay. Uh, Give it to me. Okay. I guess 
Guess you'll miss it in Dodge tonight. I mean, won't you? Well, if you could get a little more out of this nag of yours, we might make it tonight. Oh, there's not a chance. She'll be on her beam ends pretty quick. She's been on a long reach since sunup. Oh. Mighty bare country up this way. All right. Depends on what you're used to. Mighty bare where I've been, too. It's not like the sea. That's always different. How come you left it? I always heard a sailor doesn't ever get it out of his blood. Or the sea? (laughs) Guess you can get it out of your blood, all right. You got the right reason you can. Yeah, I guess so. Hey. You trying to get something out of me? But... Well, no. Get what? I, I would just remind you. want to ride with me? I don't want any talk about the sea. Well, you brought it up. I get it. Turn for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, tomorrow night, Jack Benny and his whole fun-making gang make a personal appearance at a Long Beach, California veterans' hospital. It's going to be a Christmas they'll never forget, as Benny and the bunch cut loose while they assist the folks at the hospital in trimming their Christmas tree. Be sure to join the fun tomorrow night on CBS Radio, when it's Jack Benny time all across America. Now for the second act of Gunsmoke. Amos Cowley sulked his way along the trail for the next while And then it was almost like he couldn't stand the quiet Or maybe he had things on his mind He turned his head Go on. What? Go on. Tell me some more. Oh, about Dodge? Yeah. Well, I I don't know. Well, you try some more. Well, uh, they got a little pine tree in the Texas trail. Tree? Yeah, come down a long way from the north. Uh, uh, Kitty Russell, she's a hostess in the Texas trail. Well, she she got a lot of ribbon and gee-gaws and made it look real nice. That that was last Christmas. A star at the top? A star? Yeah. yeah, I think so. It looked like a star, I guess. It sure looked pretty. And there was a, well, a, a, a difference in the place that day. Everybody was celebrating and feeling real good. The doors would swing open and somebody had come in and, you know, maybe somebody you just knew to nod at, but because it was Christmas Eve, he'd come right up and say, hello. Oh, maybe that's a good reason, maybe not. I don't know. All right, I'll tell you. Anyhow, it was still kind of early. Just wait till you Kitty and Chester were standing off looking at the tree. Hi, Matt. What are you Good evening, Mr. Dillon. Hi, Kitty. Hi. Chester. How do you like it, Matt? Christmas tree. That's oh, yours. Oh, that's real pretty. Only tree but one in the whole town. Yeah, Kate's got one over the Alphaganza. Oh, well, I'll have to see it later. Where, where, where's Sam? I don't know. Maybe he started celebrating too soon. Oh. Doc's taking over the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. You, you want a drink, Kitty? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> All right, I'll get you a drink. I'll get you. Uh, 
you haven't forgotten anything, have you, Mr. Dillon? Forgotten? Oh, what, Chester? There. What did I tell you, Miss Kitty? I knew just as sure as my nose that oh, you forgot. Oh, that. No, no. I, I hadn't forgotten. Oh, well... I thought as soon as they get Sam sober enough to take care of the customers, we could go on over to Doc's like we planned. Sure, we'll do that, Chester. Here you are, Matt. <laughs> ah, thanks, Doc. Ah, oh. <laughs> ah well, still snowing out? No, no, it's not. Uh, where are you going, Kitty? All right, just want to look outside. Ah, real pretty. Man thinks of a lot of funny things that don't mean much. Kitty standing at the door, sniffing the cold air, and the warmth inside, and the whiskey in me. It it was a good feeling. And then Chester and I decided to take a bottle over to Mr. Hightower. He's the telegraph operator over at the depot. He runs a printing shop on the side. Say, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, Chester. Do you mind if I stop by the church for a minute? Well, no, I don't mind. I just feel kind of right tonight, Mr. Dillon. Figure out how to thank somebody for it. Sure. <laughs> So we stop by the church. I've never been much of a man for church, I guess, but I went along with Chester. Wasn't anybody else there, just the two of us. Guess we sat for ten minutes in that place. Chester, a little way off with his head bowed. You know, there's a lot of peace in the church, maybe. Maybe it's the quiet. Maybe. Maybe it's the good that people find in there. Whatever it was, it made a man feel glad about pretty much everything. I haven't been in a church since I don't know when. Oh, is that so? I heaved to. Well, she's becalmed again, mister. <laughs> okay. She sure wasn't built for it, I'll tell you. You ever see anything like that? <laughs> uh, she is kind of old, and well, I've had her going on eight years. She hasn't changed a mite. Eats like a pig and looks like a four-legged mizzenmast. <laughs> Smoke? Don't mind. Hey, what about that, uh, that fellow Hightower? Did you get that bottle to him? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, I, I guess it was lonely over in the depot all alone. He, he was glad for the company. There was a wood fire burning in the stove, but it didn't keep out the cold. Well, how are you, gents? Merry Christmas. Well, how's it going, Mr. Hightower? Oh, slow, Marshal, slow. Bit of excitement about an hour back, though. That's no? so? Yeah, 9.15 got stuck between here and Hutchison. Lots of snow back there. They getting her out? 
I'm sure they're trying, but <laughs> I'm sure glad I'm not on it. It's going to be a cold night on that train. Well, it's kind of chilly in here, isn't it, Mr. Hightower? Any warmer, and I'm going to sleep. It will say we brought you over a bottle of Irish for company. <laughs> Jameson's well. I declare I was just thinking about a tot before you boys come in. Now, that's real <laughs> friendly. Will you have a drink with me? We sure will. Let's open her up, huh? A couple of glasses up on the shelf there, Chester. Get them down, will you? I don't know if you get an idea about the folks in Dodge or not. They're not any different than any other people. Or the town either. I guess maybe it's a pretty small place at that. The depot, the hall, a few stores, a church, Doc's office, a Texas trail, Alifaganza. My office? Uh, well, not much, but uh, it, it, it's where you live, you know? Sounds all right. I lived in a town once back east. Small. I know what you mean. Well, maybe you'll be going back. Maybe. Say, the kids, they still believe in St. Nick? Oh, sure. Mighty few kids down where I've been. Injun kids, they don't believe in St. Nick. No reason they should, I guess. I used to believe in it, you know that? Well, I guess most people did one time or another. Hey, you figure we come maybe ten miles? Maybe. Yeah, it's getting dark. Yeah. Well, come on. You want to... You want to ride the saddle for a bit? Oh, no, no. I, that's okay. Well, then Okay. <laughs> We rode on, and I thought about last year, about Kitty, Doc, and Chester and me going over to Doc's place after Doc got tired at Tendon Bar at the Texas Trail. It was about a quarter to midnight, and we stood around and sang Christmas carols. And I, I remember how it sounded that night, how it looked. The glow in the stove in the middle of the room and, uh, and the frosty windows. Yeah, it was Christmas Eve, all right. Hey, hey, Listen. Hey. Huh? Huh? Oh. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> you know, I feel sentimental. That's exactly what I feel. I feel sentimental. I know what you mean, Doc. I surely know. Okay, Doc. Bring him out. <laughs> I remember how Doc scuttled over to the bureau and brought out some packages. The presents weren't much, but it didn't matter what they were. And when we'd finished opening them, it was Chester who 
said what we were all thinking. I just... I, I, I just want to say... Miss Kitty, Doc, you, Mr. Dillon, I, I just want to say that this is the best doggone Christmas I ever had. And, and that's what I want to say. He was going to tell me about that uh, that fellow John was caught in that woman. What was her name? Oh, oh yeah. Miss McNish. That's right. Well, she said yes. And you've did. never seen two happier people in your whole life. Yeah, she's Miss McNish Bumpy now. Well, that's good. <laughs> uh, you know, you might settle for a bit in Dodge or you could get work there. Sure would be fine if you could get back tonight, wouldn't it? Well, it, it can't be helped. I'd be a lot further away and a sight more tired if you hadn't come along. Yeah. Now, listen. How far do you figure before there's a place you might pick up a horse? Oh, I don't know. Fifteen miles or so, maybe. Oh, I'm not going to make any fifteen miles in this nag tonight, that's for sure. Oh, it's all right. Now, I tell you what. You go on alone, you see. Oh, no, forget it. Now, you it. go I... on alone. She'd hold out with one man on her. And then you get a fresh horse and you ride into Dodge tonight. Well, thanks. That's now, very I'm kind. telling you, I want you to go. I'll be fine. I've walked before. Probably make it almost as quick as you. Look, look it's, it's real nice of you, Mr. Cowley, but no thanks. Now, now, Christmas don't mean nothing to me. You got friends waiting for well, you. Well, I'll see them tomorrow. Ah, uh, you're a fool. Well, that may be. <laughs> All of them nice folks, we're going to make them feel pretty bad. Uh, look, I'll stay. If you want to go on along, uh, uh, thanks for the ride. Well, let's well make camp then. I guess so. And listen, you want to tell me some more about uh, what you were telling me before we turn in? Well, sure. I take it kindly, mister. I'll get yourself settled. I got some stuff in my pack we can eat and... Maybe get a fire going. And after we eat, you can tell me some more. We made a fire and then shared what we had for supper. He seemed to soften up after that, and we talked for a couple or three hours. It was like he was starved for news of people, everyday things, and just plain company. And that's how we spent Christmas Eve together out on the plane. And then when the fire was dying down and I was about ready for sleep, he said, Marshal, yeah, I want to tell you something. I've been needing to tell it for a long time. Do you mind? Well, of course I don't mind. Well, then I'll tell you. A few years ago, I was skipper of a little schooner. I used to sail up and down the East Coast, you know, Boston, New York. Yeah. Well, one night, we hit dirty weather off New Jersey, real dirty Blew us off course, and we piled up on the rocks and knocked the bottom out. That's too bad. There was 18 passengers aboard, Marshal. Four of them was kids. We never saw them again. No. And my own... My own wife and my kid went down, too. I'm, I'm sorry. Well, no. Something must have happened to me after that I didn't want nothing to do with 
The ship saw the sea, and I started to drift out this way. I couldn't forget, though, do you know? And I didn't want to be near folks, especially kids, to remind me, do you know? Yeah. Well, that's how come I've been slewing around ever since. Sure, I understand. Just kind of wanted to get it off my chest. Sure. Marshal, I'd like to ride into Dodge with you tomorrow. You think I might meet some of them folks you were telling about? I don't see why not. That it'd be all right. Maybe I wouldn't need to drift no more. Maybe I could uh, (laughs) drop anchored, you know. Yeah, you might at that. Yes. Well, good night. Good night. Merry Christmas, Marshal. Merry Christmas, Mr. Cowley. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Anthony Ellis, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Lawrence Dobkin, with Harry Bartell and John Daner, Harley Bear as Chester, Howard McNear as Doc, and Georgia Ellis as Kitty. Gunsmoke is heard by our troops overseas through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Tomorrow night, Edgar Bergen's real-life daughter, Candy, pays him and you a visit on The Edgar Bergen Show with Charlie McCarthy. Candy and Charlie hit it off fine, but Edgar has cause to regret his hasty decision to invite his six-year-old daughter into the show, especially when she starts throwing her voice. Sounds like fun tomorrow night on most of these same stations when CBS Radio presents The Edgar Bergen Show with Charlie McCarthy. This is Roy Rowan speaking. And remember, Eve Arden is our Miss Brooks, teaches you how to laugh every Sunday on the CBS Radio Network. Stay tuned for The Great Gildersleeve next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Harold Perry as The Great Gildersleeve. When the story starts, we find Gildy trying to put the moves on the only person besides himself to attend the PTA meeting. Kraft presents The Great Gildersleeve. Cheese Company, makers of parquet margarine and a complete line of famous quality food products, presents Harold Perry as the Great Gildersleeve. Kraft brings you the Great Gildersleeve every week at this time, written by John Wheaton and Sam Moore, with music by Claude Sweet. (laughs) 
let's join our friend the great Gildersleeve, whom we meet this evening as a member of the Summerfield School Board. In this capacity, he's attending a meeting of the Parent Teachers Association in the auditorium of the Summerfield Grammar School with Miss Eve Goodwin as chairman. Meeting, he says. Well, it would be a meeting, except that so far nobody but Gildersleeve and Miss Goodwin have showed up. What time is it, Throckmorton? Time? Uh, 8.15, Eve. What time is the meeting supposed to start? At 8. Wouldn't it be awful if nobody came? It would suit me fine. I'll tell you what, Eve. Let's lock the doors right now so nobody can get in. <laughs> Throckmorton, what on earth for? Then you and I could play school. Yeah. <laughs> Silly. I'll be the naughty boy and you make me stay after. How about it? Oh, don't be childish, Throckmorton. Childish? Don't you even want to know what I did that was naughty? I wrote something naughty on the blackboard. <laughs> All right. What was it? I love teacher. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Please, can I stay after school, teacher? No, Throckmorton. Go home and write out the multiplication table 50 times. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get out of here, Eve. Nobody's coming. We know Judge Hooker's coming because we announced him as our principal speaker. We sent out over 200 postcards. Announcing Judge Hooker would speak? Of course. Well, no wonder nobody's here. People don't want to listen to that old goat bleeding at them. The judge is highly respected in the community, Throckmorton. He has a great many admirers. Yeah, and they're all sitting right here waiting for him to speak. Count them. Well, I don't understand it. When you send a... There's someone at the door now. If it's a fan of Judge Hooker's, I want to see him. Well, by George, it is at that. Hello, Judge. Hi, Gildy. Good evening, gracious lady. Good evening, Judge. Well, where's our audience? I was just going to ask you that, Judge. You're the main attraction this evening, I believe. Maybe nobody wants to hear that speech of yours anymore. The law as the bulwark of freedom. My speech has nothing to do with tonight's attendance. The YMCA is giving a minstrel show tonight to raise money for a new pool table. That's where everybody's gone. Oh? Well, that's what we got to compete with, then. Entertainment. Yeah, but how can we compete? Well, Judge, I, I think your speech might have been a little closer to the subject of education. Just what I've been trying to say, Eve. Now, for instance, I might give a little talk on child psychology. You! I'm the authority on child psychology around this town. Juvenile delinquency, I call it. I just read a magazine article about it. So did I. Oh, please, Horace. Throckmorton. He raised his voice to me. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, Eve, but Gildersleeve is so irritating. What? Throckmorton. <laughs> now, Horace, there's nothing to fight about. You both want to talk on child psychology. Now, why can't we have a debate? Debate? By George. Now, that's something people would come to hear. Uh, have you definite views on the subject, Throckmorton? Have I? I told you I read this article. And you, Judge? I can put my views on juvenile delinquency in a nutshell. Spare the rod and spoil the child. Yeah, I might have known that's how you'd look at it, Judge. Kid steals a pack of chewing gum and you'd send him up for five years. <laughs> I'd do nothing of the kind. On the other hand, I wouldn't just give him a pat on the back. It's old dodos like you that make juvenile delinquency a problem. And it's ignorant boneheads like you that make it more difficult. Gentlemen, gentlemen, hold your fire. We'll stage the debate a week from tonight. And may the best man win. I'm a cinch. Leroy? Yeah? Where's that little magazine that was lying around the parlor yesterday? Magazine Digest. Yesterday? It's been kicking around here for days. Now when I want it, I can't find it. Yep, I know how it is, Unc. A philosopher, even. <clears throat> you haven't seen the magazine? 
Had an article on child psychology in it. Nope. Did you ask Bertie? She hadn't seen it. Oh, well, I guess I can remember enough of it. Let's see. Maybe if I could make a sort of an outline. Haven't you anything to do, Leroy? Not a thing. Well, find something. You make me nervous just sitting there while I'm trying to work. Okay. Leroy! Leroy! Somebody calling you, Leroy? Yeah. Well, answer him. <laughs> Eat gods, there's a kid for you to play with. He's not a kid. He's just a little boy. Well, play with him anyway. Leroy! Leroy's in here, Sonny. Come on in. Oh, for corn's sake. He's too little. Hello, Leroy. What you doing? Nothing. Manners, Leroy. I don't believe I know you, young man. What's your name? Craig. He's Craig Bullard. Oh, another one of the Bullard family. Well, well, I've met your brother Marshall, and I've met your dad. And you're Craig. Well, quite a family. Let's play, Leroy. Play what? My father gave me this magic trick, but I don't know how it works. Magic? Let's see. Hey, this is the Mahatma's magic box. Cost eight seventy-five. How does it work? Well, I'll show you how it works, Craig. Now, look, you sit down here on the sofa, and I'll show you the trick. Holy cow, the Mahatma's magic box, eight seventy-five. You be careful with Craig's expensive trick, Leroy. I can handle it. Look, Craig, you see, I take this quarter, and I open the door of the Mahatma's magic box. I place the quarter inside, and I close the door. Now, the quarter's in there, isn't it? It's in there all right, isn't it? I don't know. You just saw me put it in. You can hear it. You hear it? Yes, I hear it. But now I open the door of the Mahatma's box, and we do not see the quarter. Open the other door. The other door? Oh. We open the other door, but the quarter has vanished. You moved it. Open the other door. The other door? We open the other door? No quarter. You moved it again. Open both doors. I have opened both doors. I open this door, no quarter. I open the other door, no quarter there either. Open both doors at the same time. What? Open both doors at the same time. <laughs> he got it. Oh, both doors at the same time. Very well. But where's the quarter? Well, I'll be. Was it really in there, Leroy? Well, sure. You saw me put the quarter in, didn't you, Craig? I thought so. Where did it go? That's a magic. Uh, well, Craig, this is a kind of a tough trick to learn. How'd you like to trade it for something easier? Leroy. <laughs> What's the matter? No swindling, please. Oh, I won't jip him. You want to trade this for something easier, Craig? Okay. I wonder if you and Craig could do your trading upstairs, my boy. I'm trying to do some work here. Oh, sure. Come on, Craigie, old boy. I'll show you all my magic stuff. He's going to swindle him. I'd rather he did it where I can't hear the details. <laughs> uh -huh. Now, let's see here. I suppose Hooker will have a lot of statistics. That kind of stuff. Maybe I should throw in a few. Uh, it may surprise my esteemed opponent to learn that in six large cities where corporal punishment was abolished last year... Uh, juvenile delinquency fell off, uh, 19%. Wonder if you'll know I made that up. Oh, wait a minute, Craig! Craig! Wait! Gee whiz! Wait! Oh, my goodness. Craig! Now, now, what's the matter here? He took my magic box away from me. I did not. He took it away. Leroy, let me have the facts. I didn't take it. We traded. He said he'd trade the box for my Egyptian changing bag. 
Is that right, Craig? Are you willing to trade your box for the bag? The bag is torn. I want my box. <laughs> is the bag torn, Leroy? Just a small tear. Hardly shows at all. Outside of that, it's in perfect condition. How much is the bag worth? Uh, I don't remember exactly. Well, it wasn't worth any 875 brand new, was it? No. But they're hard to get now. Or they will be one of these days. <laughs> they might stop making them. Leroy, give the boy his box. You run upstairs with Leroy, Craig, and you'll get your box back. Thank you. I'll tell you what I'll do, Craig. If you don't like the changing bag, i got to set a Chinese ring. Upstairs, Leroy. Okay, doke I think you like Leroy certainly sticks to the thing when he wants to. Yes, sir, there's a lot of bulldog Gildersleeve in that boy. <laughs> well, come on, bulldog. Get your teeth in old Judge Hooker here. Let's see. I was throwing statistics at him. Oh, yes. The average rainfall... Leroy, give him his box. He took my magic box away from me. I did not. It was a trade. Gosh, Uncle, he made the trade. The changing bag and the Chinese rings. Well, that sounds fair enough. What's wrong with that? The bag is torn and the rings are rusty. (laughs) I'm tired of this, Leroy. Stop trying to get Craig's box away from him and just play nicely. Play what? Go out in the backyard and play catch or something sensible and healthy. Can you catch a ball, Craig? Sure. He can't, Uncle. He's a butterfinger. Well, teach him. Ye gods, I am busy. Well, I don't suppose I have to write out every syllable I'm going to say there. As long as I have the general idea. Now what? Some more kids, I suppose. Come in. Oh, uh, yes, I am. Uh, pardon me, I thought it was someone I knew at the door. I'm Mrs. Bullard from across the street. Well, well, this is indeed a pleasure. Now I've met the whole family. There's a youngster of yours around here somewhere playing with my nephew. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you, Mr. Gildersleeve. I, I thought I saw Craig come over here. Yes, he's here. Seems like a mighty nice boy, too. I'm glad if he's made a good impression, because I, I wanted to ask you to do us a favor. Do me a favor. Anything at all, Mrs. Bullard, anything at all. Well, I've just managed to make an appointment at the hairdresser's, and I wondered if I could leave Craig over here for the next couple of hours. Is that all? (laughs) Well, I thought you were going to ask a real favor. Craig is having such a good time with Leroy. That's nothing, Mrs. Bullard. Oh, thank you so much, Mr. Gildersleeve. I've got to run now, but I'll pick up Craig as soon as I get back. Don't have him on your mind. Well, pleasant woman. Seems a little young for Bullard. Mr. Gildersleeve. Huh? Oh, what is it, Bertie? I guess I'll be going now. Going? Going where? Did you forget? You told me I could take this afternoon off, and it's 12 o'clock right now. By George, Bertie, I had forgotten. Well, go along, Bertie. Yes, I'll be back around 4.30. Goodbye, Miss Gildersleeve. Goodbye, Bertie. Have a good... Oh, Bertie. What do you want, Miss Gildersleeve? On your way, just ask Leroy to come in here, would you? Leroy ain't here. He left with Piggy about a half hour ago. He left? What about that little boy that was with him? He's just sitting out there in the backyard by himself. Wait till I catch that, Leroy. All right, Bertie. Thanks, anyway. You're welcome, Mr. Gilsey. Goodbye. Goodbye. Leroy has the manners of a pig. Well, maybe I'll get a chance to do some work on him this summer. Uh, let's see here. Mr. Gildersleeve. Uh, what is it, Craig? I'm hungry. 
I want some lunch. Hmm. Bertie! Uh, Bertie! Confounded, Craig. Why didn't you think of that five minutes ago? Let's get back to the great Gildersleeve, who finds himself, with Bertie away, faced with the problem of providing lunch for himself and his little guest from across the street. Well, come on, Craig. Let's go out to the kitchen and see what's there, shall we? What say? I'm hungry. <laughs> I know you're hungry. <laughs> Gonna get you a nice big lunch. All the things you like, too. What's your favorite? Ice cream. <laughs> yes, I know. But that would hardly do for lunch now, would it? What would you like for lunch? Ice cream. <laughs> uh, well, well. <laughs> you know as well as I do that we don't eat ice cream for lunch. Now, let's see what we have here. Well, we have raspberry jam, if you like that. Bread and jam. And here's a can of tuna. Mmm. You could have a tuna sandwich. Now, which would you like? Ice cream. <laughs> Now, look, Craig, let's be reasonable, shall we? I've got work to do, and I've got to get back to it. We haven't any ice cream, and if we had some, you wouldn't be allowed to have it. Now, we've got all this nice stuff here. Make up your mind. Which is it going to be? What does your mother usually give you for lunch? Ice cream. All right, come on, we'll get some ice cream. <laughs> Go ahead. Why are we going in here? Because you wouldn't eat what we had to offer at home. Is this where they have the ice cream? Yes. Now go ahead. Well, hello, Mr. Gillespie. <laughs> hello, Peavy. Who's your young friend? This is Rumson Bullard, younger boy. Say hello to Mr. Peavy, Craig. How do you do? Yeah, how do you do, Sonny? Mannerly little fellow, isn't he? Well, yes, his manners were all right. <laughs> And what can I do for you today, young man? Well, Craig and I drop in for a bite of lunch. Climb up on the stool there, Craig. Can you make it? Well, I should say so. My, you're a good climber, aren't you? I can climb trees, too. How'd you like to go and climb one? <laughs> uh, Craig's mother's gone out for a while, Peavy, so I get to take care of him. Well, isn't that nice? Uh-huh. <laughs> and what are you going to have for lunch, Sonny? Ice cream. Oh, but ice cream is for dessert. What are you going to have to start with? Ice cream. There's no use arguing with the child, Peavy. I've tried it. Just give him the ice cream. Well, perhaps you didn't put it to him the right way, Mr. Gildersleeve. A lot of people get impatient with children. That never works. No. You see, uh, Sonny, we don't start with ice cream. Oh, dear, no, because that would spoil our appetite, wouldn't it? It's no use, Peavy. Now, if you want ice cream, you'll have to eat something else first. You know, a sandwich or something. You understand? I tell you, it's no use. Now, we have all kinds of sandwiches here. Chopped eggs, Swiss cheese, tuna, tomato. I like tuna. Tuna it is. <laughs> Why, you look... I offered him a tuna sandwich at home, and he said he didn't want it. Well, perhaps the boy changed his mind, Mr. Gildersleeve. That's everybody's privilege. Huh. Now, there's your sandwich, Sonny. Want me to unwrap it for you? I can do it. Well, you're a big boy, aren't you? Fine lad. Fine lad. You see, Mr. Gildersleeve, you just have to know how to handle them. Don't forget my ice cream. No, indeed. Ice cream coming right up. 
Yes, sir. I've always found that reason works pretty well with children. Well, I'm not against it, you understand. I always try a reason when everything else fails. But you can't count on it. <laughs> now, there's your dessert, Sonny. Thank you. Sandwich first, remember? Hi, uh, George, I'll say one thing for you, Peavy. You certainly have a way with kids. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> oh, you have, definitely. I argued with him while I was black in the face. All you have to do is speak to him. Well, it's really very simple, Mr. Gildersleeve. You have to remember that children are people, that's all, just like you or me. You know, I'm glad to hear you say that, Peavy. I'm taking part in a debate with Judge Hooker tonight before the Parent Teachers Association. Yeah, I saw that in the paper. I was beginning to think maybe I was on the wrong side. Now, the judge, he thinks the only way to handle children is to get them into juvenile court and send them up for five years. Well, the judge has never had any children of his own. Just between you and me, I don't think he knows anything about it. <laughs> He's going to find that out this evening. I'm through. Can I have some water? Why, Craig, you've eaten your ice cream. And never touched your sandwich. Listen, you. Now, just a minute, Mr. Gildersleeve. Now, Craig, you and I had an understanding, didn't we? You were to eat the sandwich first. But I didn't want the sandwich. Well, that makes no difference. We had an agreement. So I think you ought to eat the sandwich now. But I'm not hungry. I told you you wouldn't be hungry if you ate the ice cream first. But I'm going to have to ask you to eat the sandwich just the same. But I don't want to. Listen, do you want me to tell your mother you eat that sandwich? <laughs> but I'll get sick. Well, you ordered it. Now eat it. <laughs> Come along, Craig. I'm afraid we've annoyed Mr. Peavy. Spoiled little devil. If we were mine, I'd... Well, but he isn't. Now, uh, uh, let's see here. Where is it? Craig, have you been... Oh, here it is. Let's see. I say, uh... Uh, Miss Goodwin, my honored opponent, Judge Hooker, fellow members of the PTA. Where's Leroy? Where's Leroy? <laughs> I've told you, Craig, I don't know where Leroy is. I suspect he's hiding. I want Leroy to play with me. Well, he can't play with you. He isn't here. When will he be back? I don't know. Where did he go? For the hundredth time, I don't know where he went. I want him to play with me. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Craig, I'm trying to work here. It's very important. I've got just half an hour to finish this. Now, you go upstairs to Leroy's room and find something to do, or by George, I'll... Well, you go upstairs, that's all. I want Leroy to come with me. Leroy isn't here! Ye gods! <laughs> now what? If it isn't one thing, it's another. Well... Mrs. Bullard, so you're back. Oh, I must apologize. I'm afraid I'm terribly late. Not at all, not at all. <laughs> Come in. Is Craig here? Yes, indeed. He's been here every minute. Oh, Craig. Craigie, darling. Your mother's here. <laughs> Come, Craig. Oh, I do hope he hasn't been too much trouble. Trouble? Not a bit. He's been a perfect little angel. <laughs> well, I'm so glad to hear it. Come, darling. Yes, indeed. Craig and I have gotten to be great friends. Haven't we, Craig? <laughs> Haven't we? <laughs> Mr. Gildersleeve asked you a question, dear. <laughs> Cat's got his tongue, I guess. Well, he's probably tired. Had a big day. <laughs> well, Mr. Gildersleeve, I, I can't thank you enough. Oh, don't mention it. Glad to have it. Glad to have him any time. 
We had more fun, didn't we, Craig? <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> well, goodbye. Goodbye. Give my regards to your husband. You must come over when we get settled. Oh, I will. Be delighted. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Well, maybe I can get something done around here for a change. Where the devil was I? Hmm. Maybe I'm going at this thing wrong. If I give all my arguments at the start, the judge will refute them. If I just stall and save all my arguments for the rebuttal, he won't get a chance to answer them. <laughs> the old goat, that'll burn him up. Who's that? Leroy? No, it's me. Oh, hello, Marjorie. Come on in, Marshall. Uncle Mort, you know Marshall. Oh, yes, yes. How do you do, sir? Your little brother just spent the whole day here. Oh, that's so? Yeah. Over here, Marshall. Have you got the record? Yes. Is there a needle in that thing? Uh, Marjorie. Yes? If you don't mind, I'm doing a little work in here, so if you're planning to play the phonograph... Oh, that's all right. You won't bother us. <laughs> well, rather than run any risk of that, my dear, I think perhaps I'll retire to my study. You're not disturbing us, Mr. Gildersleeve. Stick around. Yeah, stick around, Uncle Mort. You'll love this. It's called Sad Sack. Play it, Marshal. I give up. I give up. What's the matter, Uncle Mort? Everything. I've been trying all day to get two minutes to myself here, but no. And this is the last straw. When Bernie comes in, tell her I'll have my dinner served alone in my study. What's the matter with him? I don't know. He gets like that. Play it, Marshal. Yeah. Hi, George. The judge is right about kids. They ought to send them up for five years. Everyone... <laughs> No manners, no conscience. Come in. Excuse me. Oh, <laughs> you can take the dishes, Bertie. I'm through. It ain't that. Miss Goodwin and Judge Hooker are here to take you to the school meeting. Gee, what'll I tell Eve? I'm not prepared. Ellie. Oh, coming, Judge. I haven't got much time. Meeting's called for eight. Be right with you, Horace. Well, hello, Eve. Good evening, Doc Morton. Hope you're in good form this evening, Gildy, because I'm prepared to give you the trouncing of your life in this debate. Well, I'm afraid there isn't going to be any debate this evening, Judge. Why not? Because you can't have a debate when two men are on the same side. What? Throckmorton, I don't understand. You mean that now, all of a sudden, you're in favor of corporal punishment for children? Eve, if you'd spent the day I've just spent, you'd be in favor of capital punishment. <laughs> oh, well, really, with all those people down there at the meeting... What are we going to do? Now, don't get excited, Eve. I've got a better idea. Now, who wants to listen to a dull old debate? Do you judge? Do I? No. Entertainment. That's what they want. Now, I've got an idea that's going to be great. We can bring it up before the meeting tonight. What's that, Gilly? Why don't we put on a minstrel show? The Parent Teachers Association? Sure. What a perfectly awful idea. Well, I don't know, Eve. It might be kind of fun. Sure it would. 
Who was that fat lady I done seen you with last night, Jay? That was no lady. That was my wife. <laughs> 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 oh, Mr. Gildersleeve, what's the best way to raise spinach? With a fork? Any fool knows that. <laughs> <laughs> Judge? Uh, I'll be down to meet you in a taxi, honey. Better, better be, be ready by half past eight. No, no, oh, honey, no. don't be late. I'm gonna meet you What do you got there, Leroy? Oh, I got a new way to do the trick, Unc. Is that the Mahatma's magic box? Yeah, I traded it from Craig. So you finally got it away from him, eh? What'd you give him for it, Leroy? I gave him a pretty nice deal, Unc. What did you give him? Well, it might not seem so good to you, but a kid would love it. What was it? A solid glass doorknob. And a 20 cents in cash. Well... A deal is a deal, I guess. <laughs> Good night, Leroy. Good night, everybody. Music on this program was directed by Claude Sweet. This is Ken Carpenter speaking for the Kraft Cheese Company, makers of parquet margin and a complete line of famous quality food products. Kraft invites you to listen again next week for the further adventures of the Great Gildersleeve. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Philip Marlowe, followed by Jack Benny. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for A Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. Stay tuned for Ziggy and Stardust next on Zoomer Radio. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.